<laughs> kind of is duetarian. Duetarian. Well, some people would like to quadratarian because of that. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, I don't like that. <laughs> some some theologians like get 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 at that idea. Like they'll say, no, it's Trinitarian, but they're talking about God as like a separate person from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he just reveals himself in the modes of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right? No. Yeah. Should we just introduce the show and move on? <laughs> we can talk about modalism. That's fine, modal- too. <laughs> that it like, won't fit into this passage. It's like, a, it's like a modified modalism. That's <laughs> not even like true modalism. Because true modalism was the Father as God and takes the form of the Son and the Holy Spirit at different times, right? Uh-huh. Per- so, so that'd be like a modified modalism. But then they say, no, it's Trinitarian theology. And it's, and it's not. Not at all. Not at all. All right, well, Blacktop Pulpit Man, uh, Douglas Reformed Church. For our listeners, I'm Andrew. This is Ken. Dude, we had our first our first church meeting yesterday. That was fantastic! Was <laughs> oh, man. Waiting forever for that. That was fantastic. Uh, it was good. And uh, even like after we were done, Katie looked at me and she said, That felt so good. <laughs> that felt so right. And uh, thank you for your encouragement. Um, you sent via text message. Oh yeah, it was good. To, you said it was good to hear me exposit the word in person again. So it felt good to after two months of not preaching. It felt great yeah. to just get up there and let I the bet. word fly, man. I just realized that too. I was like, man, I hadn't had heard him in person for a bit. Yeah, you know that that was oh. yeah. after after two months Back of not preaching, it. man. That, that felt pretty good. I can imagine. Oh man, it was good. It was encouraging, and and just everything just flowed. So naturally, and I, I told Kathy on the way back. I was like, I was like, that was a little, that was different, you know, how we did, you know, especially like communion. Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm thinking, I feel like, I feel like this is more like how it was done. Probably, <laughs> I felt like right? the early church, you know, like literally like eating and drinking through service, and and uh, wait. You just said that on, on camera for everybody here. Now everybody's going to have something to complain about. They eat during service. Uh-oh. They have snacks during service and wine during service. Oh, man. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, no, well, I guess that fits into the, the passage good. for today, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess so. First Corinthians chapter 8, verses 4 through 13. Um, what do you think about the idea? Because I consider myself to be a pretty knowledgeable guy, and especially the passages like this. and pursuing a PhD, spending a lot of time on that work, um, seeking knowledge, and then you read in the first part of this chapter, the first three verses, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Um, that ought to hit people pretty hard. And, uh, and what do you think about the idea that that knowledge refers to more than just intellectual knowledge, but experiential knowledge, how-to knowledge, the type of knowledge that comes with, comes with age, um, so all-encompassing Knowledge. What do you think about that idea? Can it all puff up? All of it. I mean, I, I think a, a, a generic overview would be absolutely. Yeah. The, the the more information you have, the more you're you're susceptible to be ignorant yeah. and, and disrespectful to other people because of the the surpassing knowledge that you have. But then the question is: Is it true knowledge if it's not rooted in, in God and who yeah. He is? And then yeah, yeah. and then what Paul gets at, which is like like knowledge needs to be governed by love. <laughs> You know, so right. if, if that's not done, then you then you have all kinds of messes, which is one of the things he's dealing with. Yeah, well, and that's kind of how I, through this passage, at least thinking about wisdom, I think there's probably more to wisdom than only this. 
but wisdom being knowledge in love. Mm. Um, so that knowledge isn't puffing up, but it's actually knowledge that builds others up rather than tears right. them down. You know, so that that being the wisdom component. Because if I'm not wise, I'm I'm only ever using my knowledge to promote myself over others. Right. Um, and that's knowledge, experience, um, age, uh, how to, um, how long you've been in a, a place of business or at a church. All that can puff us up, and we can think little of others because of it. You know, new guy comes on, and we're better than them. Mm. Um, but that's knowledge that puffs up. Um, I have a. Dude, I have two master's degrees and I'm about to get a PhD. I'm so much better than you. Like, that's puffed up knowledge, right? right. Um, but then knowledge and wisdom is, it causes us to consider our motivation. Like, why am I getting a PhD? Why? Why are you why, getting a PhD? Why am I getting a PhD? <laughs> and the only, the only true good motivation can, can possibly be to build up the saints. Yeah. Right? If that's not the motivation, then there's no point. Right. That has to be it to build others up, um, which is an easy thing, easy thing to struggle over too, yeah. right? Because getting recognition is something we all like. Yeah, we do. Yeah, I hang degrees on the wall. Oh yeah, my credentials, man. <laughs> and that's not even what it's about. It's, yeah, yeah. Can you give me one that's twice as big as normal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, can I get a bigger one than everyone else? <laughs> can I get mine? Can I get mine cut in? Cut into metal, <laughs> so it lasts forever. <laughs> Andrew made his own degree. <laughs> what was that a song by Reliant K? Uh, I don't need to finish school. I just take calligraphy and make my own degree. <laughs> I don't think it works like that. No. <laughs> There's more to it than just a piece of paper, but whatever. <laughs> uh, but even guys like okay, so. You met Luther. He's part of our Wilcox Church plan. Mm-hmm. So you met him yesterday. Um, the thing about guys like him and guys like you is you, you guys are super smart, super intelligent. Um, you care about theology. You explore the deep things of God. And you're not seeking a formal degree. Mm. Like that's, that's just as good, in my opinion. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And just different emphases and all that. Right. You know? And I've wrestled through that too. Yeah. Like, I could get it, but I I don't actually have a use for it. So I feel like I'd be spending money and time. Uh-huh. Time's already there. I, I study. But the money and then having a degree or, or being more under pressure, I'm like, right. like, if I had a use for it, you know, yeah. it's like, maybe maybe it'd be a pastor of one of those Presby churches. Uh-huh. <laughs> is that requiring bachelor degrees? Yeah. Well, well, the fact the fact of the matter is, the only thing that's going to make the credentials useful to me is because I I hope to write books that people will actually buy. <laughs> yeah. So I hope to do that, and I and I hope to to start schools, right? Right, theological Which schools. Which is a requirement. Um, yeah. You know. So um, so that's the only reason I'm really seeking the credentials, plus the the resourcing ministry mm. uh, that I that I. Developed on accident, <laughs> you know, just had Man. a blog and it turned into to something cool, you know. <laughs> uh, so that's cool. Um, but just that's the only reason to seek credentials in this world. I know um, God is not going to measure me by those credentials. Uh, God's just going to measure me by how faithful I'm being with with what He's given me to do on this earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that I hope that knowledge isn't puffing me up. I hope that it is knowledge and love. I hope I hope that it's that it's wisdom. Um, 
the fact of the matter is, especially when it comes to degrees, if the church was doing what the church was supposed to be doing, and this fits right into the passage that we were in yesterday too, if the church was doing what it was supposed to be doing, building others up, pouring knowledge into them, producing mature believers in Christ rather than believers who don't know Christ deeply, um, if the church was doing what it was supposed to be doing, there would there would be no need for seminaries. Mm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is what I like about... Uh, people have mixed feelings about Doug Wilson and his family. <laughs> I like him. I'll say that. <laughs> you know. Um, but Christ Church there, they have... They have a school that's under the authority of the church. That's the way it should be. And that's associated yeah. with St. Andrew's College, right? Right. Um, so, uh, you know, when, when a school is started, it it is going to be under the authority of whatever local church is in the city where we start the school. So we start a school in Douglas. Mm. Douglas Reformed Church will have authority over that school, right? Um, we start a school in Wilcox. Depending on what comes of New Covenant Church in Wilcox, I yeah. think the church will have authority over that school. Um, wherever we start a school in whatever city, there will be a church there that has authority over that school. Yeah, and if um, we can, we should. I think that's oh, like yeah. one of those things yeah. that should just be done. Mm-hmm. You know, like if we're able, we have the resources and ability to do it. That's like one of those, I think, top tier things that should be attacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. What What do you think about? So you get to passages like this and it's all weird because people don't immediately see like the relevance, the connection. And there are just some passages of scripture that you read and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really see anything like that in my life. So, so you're, wondering about, right. you're wondering about relevance and you come to a passage about eating meat sacrificed <laughs> to idols and you're like, relevance. Okay, uh, so it's important for us to teach the whole counsel of God, uh, everything in scripture, not to skip over a thing. We get to a passage like this, and I'm like, where's the application? Right. <laughs> what does this mean for my life? I mean, I know I'm supposed to know the Word of God, but what does this mean for my life? So uh, how, how do you think, do you think the application that was made yesterday was, was relevant? Absolutely. And I think, like most things, is we should take the application very slowly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because the most important thing to be properly edified by this passage and especially because Paul's correcting Christians yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. he should be slow to be like what's actually happening mm-hmm. here because yeah we we don't we don't have this struggle with right. with eating meat offered to idols it's not a thing in the 21st century I mean I, maybe in another country yeah. I don't know it's not a problem in America we don't have idols that we, we do what they were doing with right. with the uh, Meat and offerings like we're that. certainly so. not going down to the to the pagan temple marketplace <laughs> right. and buying meat that was cooked next to a statue of Baal or whatever. Right? Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's. I think it's or, easy to. Or I guess it would be more like because because this was first first century Roman Empire, so this would be like meat that was cooked uh, while the temple prostitution orgies were going on. The meats being cooked at the same time for them to all eat afterwards. And they're, they're worshiping like Helena and Zeus and, and <laughs> Aphrodite and, oh, yeah. you know, and, uh, the emperor. So, mm. uh, it could have been meat that was, that was cooked in celebration of the emperor at the, at the cult worship temple. Like it could have been that kind of meat that's being talked about here. Yeah. Um, it's, so it's very interesting. I understand why they had this problem. Like, 
I really want some meat. Is it okay for me to go buy that? Like, right. <laughs> you know? Right. And then they're giving money to the temple to buy this meat. And Paul still gives them this advice. It don't matter. Yeah. There are many lords. Mm-hmm. There are no lords. Yeah. <laughs> is there a bunch of there? None. No, Paul's no, like, no, there's none. No, there's none. They're not, they're not any because there is only one true God. Right. I, I'm going to back up, and I'm not going to get to it now, but I am going to back up two verses because I do want to, I want to loop this in at some point. Mm. And the, the, verse 39 and 40 um, in chapter 7. Yeah. A wife is bound to her husband as long as, as he lives, but if, if her husband dies, she's free to marry to whom, uh, she's free to be married to whom she wishes. Only in the Lord. Only in the Lord. Yeah. Uh, yet in my judgment she's happier if she remains as she is. Mm-hmm. So I wanna I wanna loop that into it because obviously now you did you did some in, pretty in depth study on this. Mm-hmm. Is there a break here? Or is, is Paul flow of thought? He's just moving on into chapter eight. Everything that Paul writes is in the same flow. It it's really stop, hard, right? really hard to break it, and that's that's part of his as part of his Hellenistic way of thinking, yeah. right? So, in when he was trained in Hellenistic philosophy, he was taught to think big picture, full argument, mm-hmm. and then kind of like we learn in logic classes today or critical thinking classes today, right? Think big picture, full argument. Man, have a logical flow yeah, throughout your yeah. whole argument. You can have some like title breaks to show people, hey, there's going to be a different focus here, but everything flows. Yeah. That's why when you read a book today, you have to read the whole book to know what's going on, right? And Unless you have Logos. And look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's, and, it's, and it's even why reading the Bible, we read a whole book, and it's why I look at a whole book and do a commentary on a whole book, a little devotional commentary on a whole book before... Starting in chapter one, verse one on Sunday. So, let, so I know let, let's look here. at that for a second, just yeah. out of my curiosity. I mean, you brought it up. So, so somebody is. I, I got a blog that's super small. I haven't written more than a dozen articles. Should you read all my entire blog before reading one post? Well, one post is one unit, right? Yeah, yeah. So the Bible is like First Corinthians would be one post. Uh-huh. So you look at the whole post, so you know what you know one line is saying. It'd be a long blog post. That's, that's, that's what it's akin to. Like, my blog has thousands of articles, okay? Yeah. You can't read all that. Right. But you can take one article, and you can read the whole article, and then know the context of what I'm saying within that, because that article stands by itself. First Corinthians as a book stands by itself. Mm-hmm. No verse or paragraph in First Corinthians stands by itself. Mm-hmm. You might take that as a teaching unit, but you got to teach in the context of the whole book. So, as a pastor, would you recommend to to people before you read chapter seven or eight today, if 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 you're listening to us uh, talk about chapter eight, should you go through First Corinthians before really thinking through what we're talking about? Read through the whole thing, listen to the whole thing. Yes, it'll be a benefit. Yeah. Hopefully, we're clear enough they can get it. Right. Hopefully, our communication is clear enough. Right. They know what we're talking about, know the context of this conversation. Mm-hmm. But it will only benefit people to go and read through First Corinthians or listen to First Corinthians. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, uh, before coming to church next Sunday, it would only benefit you to just read First Corinthians, read the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Or listen. Listening is good too. Yeah. It only benefits you. Not necessary, but it benefits you. Right. Hopefully, we're communicating clear enough. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Um, we could jump into this idea. Uh, I, I don't know. 
who watches our conversations, but if there's even a dozen people, let's point something out that I'm sure they want to reach the camera right now and just smack us around a little bit as we're talking about First Corinthians mm-hmm. and and not causing our brother to stumble. Um, <laughs> we're sitting here publishing something publicly. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying. This is one of my favorite whiskeys, J and V. It's a pretty good one. Yeah, I really like it. And this Tazo is good too. Sparkling Tazo. <laughs> sparkling oh, Tazo. Man, that's what it is good. Bubbly People tea. are like, "What the heck is Tazo?" <laughs> it's tea. All right, it's tea. even worse. He's <laughs> hypocrite. But I think I mean this is this is a a good thing to think through when we're talking about. I don't know if I'm skipping too far ahead here, but I mean that's kind of what we're doing right on Blacktop is just yeah digging everything away. But you know, Paul talks about um, not not causing your brother to sin. And we know, like, alcohol is just a big one. We're sitting here enjoying a whiskey. Neither of us have, you know, struggles with whiskey. Both of us acknowledge that we have the freedom to enjoy whiskey and then can honor and glorify God through it. That's right. Um, Now, we're publicizing this. This isn't you and me sitting in this room by ourselves. So so the, the question now becomes, like, well... You know, you have a dozen people, you're likely to have one of those, like, oh, you're not supposed to drink or, or sure. have different views. Now, is Paul telling everybody? I mean, goodness, if we follow the, the, the blanket advice that Paul says, don't cause your brother to stumble, if, he, if he's weaker and he doesn't understand the liberties, you don't want to cause him to sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he does partake because you are, but he doesn't think he should be, then he's sinning. And if if you're leading him, to do that and violate his conscience, now you're sinning. So now something that was a Christian liberty, both parties are sinning. So, I mean, we have weak believers everywhere at all everywhere. times. So And some we, of them will be watching this, I'm sure. Right. right. And that's the thing I want to kind of flesh out a little bit, is do we just forego all of our liberties? Because, I mean, forget alcohol, let's talk about smoking. Or, or like, you know, we, I don't know... I could get into sex a little bit, but essentially there, there, there's, yeah, there's Christians who think you should only have sex in a way that's procreation only, you know, and like, and then it's only missionary style, you know, yeah. like, and, and yeah. we're getting into more stuff like mm-hmm. that. I mean, obviously that's not going to get out. It shouldn't get out. You shouldn't be talking about those things, <laughs> but it's the same concept. Yeah. Um, well, and you also can't know how many, how many fellow Christians um, are we around ever they don't share what offends them. Mm. They just keep their offenses inside. So we have no idea that it offends them. We have no idea this is where their conscience is weak. Using Paul's language, we have right. no idea this is where their conscience is weak. How are we to know to abstain from something if we don't know that's going to defile their conscience? Right. And so There are all sorts of things we can consider. I think it's important to note that Paul here is writing to a local church community mm-hmm. where people are supposed to know one another intimately. And I also think it's important to point out that the primary thrust of this passage is edify one another. Right. Make one another strong. Yep. Uh, so we were doing an episode of the 95, uh, I think it was last year. So last year, doing an episode of the 95, and I was talking with a guy named Billy Elkins, and we were talking about Christians and alcohol, right? Mm. Um, and one of the things he said uh, struck me, as he said, there's a, there's a time to abstain, but you don't leave your brother weak. And then there's a time to 
tactically have a drink around people to get them thinking. Right? Mm. So I said, there's a time to, ta- I think that's what we're doing here mm. on Blacktop Pulpit. And to ta- tactically just say, hey, uh, we love the Bible. We love the law of God. And if you see this, you're going to wonder why, how can they be loving the Bible and drinking alcohol if you have a problem with this? And hopefully that gets people investigating a little bit. And hopefully, right. hopefully this is edifying and not tearing others down. So as within the local church community, many of those watching this are not part of our local church, right? right. If people are part of our local church, hopefully we know them and we are making them strong, um, making their consciences strong instead of weak, according to Paul's words. That way we can enjoy the liberties of, of God together in Christ. Right. Um, to to the Father's glory, to the exaltation of Jesus Christ, right? Because um, ultimately when we drink whiskey, we have the same command from Christ as when we drink wine. As often as you have this, this content, this the, the bitterness of the alcohol, the cleansing nature of the alcohol, as often as you have this, remember what I did for you on the cross. That's right. So every sip, mm. And we're not throwing them back. Right. <laughs> right? No, we're, we're taking it. And with each sip, Christ comes to mind and we're glorifying him. So hopefully we're just, hopefully we're, we're being edifying. Yeah. And, and hopefully through our words and our actions, uh, people, are, people are developing strong consciences rather than weak consciences. Right. Um, so I, I, that's my hope. Yeah. And if somebody is just plainly offended by this, Shoot us a message. <laughs> Say, hey, I'm offended by the fact that you have alcohol on the show. And we will walk through scripture together. Yeah. And I, 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 yeah, I want to I edify people. Yeah. So, yeah, contact us. That's an open invitation. Absolutely. Yeah. I like that. And I, I, love, I love here, this is where I love that love builds up. And, and this knowledge that Paul is essentially saying, like, you're lacking in. Because you don't understand, like, the, the questioning, the misunderstandings and the issues here is because you're lacking in knowledge. Mm. Um, but they're also lacking in love. So, like, the, the, the love here is something I think probably most of us can, can understand where we lack in when we're, we're, we're uh, utilizing our liberties in mm-hmm. the faith. So, um, I, think, I think something that's clear there is, are you... Are you going out to try to change people um, in an unloving way to be as smart as you are in the scriptures. You know, like, like, what do you mean, bro? You could have a drink. There's nothing wrong with having a drink. Like, you should, come on, sit down and have a drink with me. Like, like if you're, you're trying to cause somebody uh-huh. to change their convictions or force it, it was probably a better word, okay. to kind of yeah, force somebody's changing of their thoughts or their convictions mm-hmm. um, because they are, um, yeah. they're, Immature in the faith. Right. Um, I think that's that's another really important thing like that surpasses the context here, whether it's meat offered idols or alcohol yeah. or, or whatever it is. If if your desire is to build somebody up, you're not going to try to like force change in them without mm-hmm. like like loving them and saying, Hey man, like you just said, like contact it's, it's us, let's talk about yeah, this. It's discipleship. And that's the difference. Uh, I, I really want to uh, I, I keep talking on the so far the last two episodes. I'm talking about things I want to combat in the modern day church, yeah. okay? and in a modern day religious culture. So this is another thing I want to combat. Mm-hmm. All right? uh, hopefully with reason, <laughs> and not with my fists. <laughs> you know? um, so we have a really bad habit, I think, of jumping straight to behavior modification, right? Right. Ra- rather than discipleship, huge. Um, discipleship is not synonymous with behavior modification. 
If we are focused on behavior modification, we are not a people of the gospel and we are not a people who love the law of God because we are forcing people to be like us. Right. Uh, you know, um, using the word force there uh, on purpose. Um, so I imagine in First Baptist Church of Corinth, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I imagine in First Baptist Church of Corinth, um, there were some who were making use of their Christian liberty uh, because they had this knowledge, this understanding. Paul said they had this knowledge. And, and instead of walking through Scripture with others to, to build up their consciences and make their consciences strong, instead, they were doing behavior modification. No, you don't need to do things that way. You need to do things this way. And no explanation, no discipleship, no Bible, right? No exegesis, no expository preaching, teaching, no discipleship. Do things this way, not that way. Right. And on the other side, there are people like, no, alcohol is evil. You need to abstain from that or you're not holy. No explanation, no Bible. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe they pulled random verses like, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It's <laughs> not telling you to abstain from alcohol. It's, it's telling you to get drunk on the Spirit and not right. to get drunk on wine. That's, that's what it is, right? Uh, so we do. We, <laughs> the we, imperative to be drunk. We, we, Just done what? <laughs> yeah, we, we do want to be drunk. <laughs> On the spirit. Don't take my words out of context. On the spirit. Too late. I'm going to clip that out. I'm going to clip that Put out. It everywhere. <laughs> context. <laughs> All right. So I imagine that was going on in First Baptist Church Corinth. I imagine it's going on in many churches today. Yeah. Behavior modification. Oh, yeah. Behavior modification. Behavior modification that turns into bullying. Right? Because mm. ultimately, behavior modification just turns into bullying. Even if a parent is merely interested in behavior modification with his or her child, that turns into bullying and abuse of children, which is not good. Yeah. Right. Um, even with my three-year-old, I sit him down and try to explain stuff to him, not just say, "Do this, don't do that." You know, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, that's that's not cool. Um, they will never be mature adults if that's the way we raise our children. The same is true in the church. You will never have mature Christians if all you're interested in is behavior modification. You will have people who either are falsely converted and believe they're saved because they act right, with scare quotes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or, or you will have perpetually immature Christians who are part of the kingdom of heaven but do, but do very little for the kingdom of heaven. Um, and enjoy Christ very little because all you've done is you've introduced them to Christ who liberates them and you place the yoke of slavery back on them through workspace righteousness. That's behavior modification. Um, a way to snatch that. You have, you, you have been, what is it? For, for freedom, Christ has set us free. If you're interested in behavior modification, you're trading one form of slavery for another. Yeah, That's it. Um, you're trading... You're trading atheistic slavery for religious slavery. Right. And sadly, that's most people's experience with religion. And it's not cool. Instead, what we need to do, and what Paul is doing here, he starts explaining, we believe there's one God. Mm. That means no other God exists. Guess what? It's impossible then for you to worship them by buying that meat. Don't feel bad about it. Discipleship, right? Yeah. He walked. That was a very short version of what, you know, <laughs> what Paul's argument is. Well, Paul doesn't do anything short, so yeah. That's, that's Paul's basic <laughs> argument, right? And so you look through the Old Testament, it's like Paul's right. I don't, I don't have to 
feel bad about that. I can, I can go buy some meat. And I don't even have to feel bad about giving my money to this worldly ministry. This is the world's money anyway. I, oh yeah, I believe God owns everything. So I don't even have to feel bad about that, right? It all goes back to our theology and our basic Christian beliefs. Yeah. Growing in that knowledge. So if somebody says, for instance, since you brought it up, somebody says, oh, I'm really offended by alcohol. I'm not just going to say, well, don't be, you're stupid. That's not my response. Hope not. No, my, my response is, have you read Deuteronomy chapter 14? Probably not. <laughs> like where God instructs people in the nation of Israel to take a, and I'll put it in American terms, right? Instead of, instead of saying a pilgrimage to Jerusalem once a year, say family vacation. Paul, Paul instructs them to save back 10% of their income to spend on family vacation. Mm. How's that for a tithe, right? So he actually instructs them, set back 10% of your income, 10% of your produce, 10% of whatever it is you're, you're making in mm. your family's business. Set it back for family vacation. When you go on family vacation once a year to Jerusalem, take that 10% to enjoy before the Lord your God. For wine producers, that's a lot of wine to enjoy before the Lord their God. Right. Right. And Israelites produced wine. And I'm sure they produced the finest wine. They're you know, the God's people. <laughs> so, you know, so they, yeah, they did that. And then God said, but if it's, too, if it's too much for you to carry, like God thought about this, he's like, 10% might be a lot for people to carry all the way to Jerusalem from Bethlehem or from, or from Nazareth or from, from anywhere in Capernaum, right? It's like, like, it's Just get more wagons and more donkeys. Yeah, it's, uh, if it's too much for you to take, sell it. And take that money and buy in Jerusalem anything your heart desires. Mm -hmm. Food, and Deuteronomy 14 says this, buy food, wine, beer, and strong drink according to your heart's desire. There's no limitation on it in the text. So you really have to wrestle with that, right? No limitation on that in the text. And drink it before the Lord your God. Eat it before the Lord your God to his Glory, remembering what he has provided you through the whole year. That's the purpose of vacation. Mm. And you tell me that God doesn't want to, us to enjoy ourselves in, in his presence. When we enjoy ourselves, that's praise to him for all the good things he gives. Right. And people want to snatch that away and force people into sin, right? So you force somebody to sin because all of a sudden they're not allowed to enjoy God's provision. Mm. You, you can only spend it on what you absolutely necessarily need, and you must deprive your body of all the good things God wants to give you. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're not worshiping God anymore. What's what's that? That's asceticism. Right. That's worldly religion. And Which is Satan's goal is to, yeah, to, to, right. to twist and distort yeah. all truth. So it's like, oh, okay, you're doing something that you're instructed to, but you should feel guilt over yeah. that. You know, and whether he uses just you know influence over you directly or through other people you know we see, like you're saying we see that a lot in the church like yeah. people people like you shouldn't be enjoying that and it's like oh man so, yeah. so, so like oh man I didn't even think about that yeah. I need to go read Deuteronomy chapter 14 once we get past Deuteronomy chapter 14 you go to Ecclesiastes vanity oh, vanity <laughs> all of life is vanity meaningless yeah Therefore, since life is so vain, God has provided us good things to enjoy. Yeah. Eat, drink, and be merry. Yeah. And in Ecclesiastes, the argument isn't, don't be like that. The argument is, 
from God the instruction, eat, drink, and be merry. Because you're because life is vain, it's meaningless, and you are to worship the Lord your God, so eat, drink, and be merry. Like that's how we worship God. Mm. What, what kind of Bible I didn't I wasn't taught this at First Baptist Church Corinth, <laughs> right? That's why we changed the name. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and and there are many other verses in scripture to talk about. And then you, and then when the conversation progresses, you get into communion. Mm. And when the Lord Jesus Christ assigned meaning to the alcoholic content of the wine, the cup of redemption. Right. Okay. He, has, he assigned redemptive meaning. A, a new covenant in him. A covenant that bites our sin and cleanses us from the inside out. Now how can you get away from that symbolism? And then Christ says, as often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. Biting your sin away, cleansing you from the inside out. Well, you get away from the meaning if, if while you're drinking, it's smooth and sweet. <laughs> then, then you lost the meaning. So we ought to have moonshine. I got you. <laughs> moonshine. Next week. Let's bring the J&B with me. Yeah. So... Um, I guess now they don't have to send us a bunch of messages because we just did that on the show. Yeah, we just attacked ourselves. I mean, that was kind of the goal. <laughs> yeah. What, what else can we knock down a little bit on, on our hypocrisy? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know what? I'll bring up the, the marriage thing now. Because, oh, yeah. Go for it. So I guess I'll ask you a question you know, as, as part of my monologue here. Um, the, I guess the question to proceed the idea would be, can I can I manipulate a weaker brother to do the right thing out of my convictions? So I say that I, I say that question. Um, I brought up the first, you know, the, or the couple passages preceding chapter eight. Um, I, I I'll just quote God. I hate divorce. You know, don't need to interpret it. Don't need to do any nope. any little yeah. manipulative God work here. Clear about he hates right. it. He Mal- hates Malachi it. Malachi chapter two. Okay, so right. so now that we have established <laughs> that, this is not a matter of interpretation. Um, and when we see we see the the the, the, the constant um, commands about you know you know being married uh, when you're married um, don't separate what God is mm. you know, joined together. Paul addresses marriage. You know he he, he even explains I think it's Rome was it Romans I think it's Romans twelve um, chapter's not important. Paul talked about marriage. Uh, said you know he even gave instruction if 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 your spouse dies mm. then you can remarry. Yeah. Um, and and oh, I'm sorry. No, that that was that was First Corinthians. That was what we we, we, we read about <laughs> First Corinthians. So a wife is bound to her husband as long as as he lives. So you're married. You're it's permanent to God, and the only way that separates is through death, which Paul acknowledges here. Death lawfully separates yeah. two people. He says you should stay that way. You know, if your spouse dies. I would I would recommend you stay that way, but you're free to get married if you want to get married again, fact, as long as it's a believer. In fact, up front, Paul was very honest. Hey, this is my opinion. Yeah, he said that up front. This right. is my opinion. This isn't right. a matter of law. This is my opinion. You asked about Chloe's people. You asked about this. Here's my opinion for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now my long my my long kind of explanation of my hatred of divorce and how I see like this isn't a, like this is Christians taking a liberty that they have not been given. Mm. 
to, to, to divorce because of you know the the, the one they, they, they flip through their Bibles as long as they can to find that one verse that yeah depending on how you look at it you know I'm going to call that the exclusion clause or the exception or whatever right. like like don't read the rest of your Bible let's just ignore all that and just say you know what I hate divorce mm-hmm. let's go back to my question um, can I use I know the answer to this, but this is yeah, a fun brain exercise. I don't, I don't ever ask questions that I already know. The I know, right? Hey, I'm learning from you. I'm taking like hey, two Andrews <laughs> sitting here. Um, so I hope so, not. I, I, <laughs> the world can't handle it. Oh man, not, not even. I mean, some churches can't even handle one Andrew. Come on. <laughs> now, I'm going to play the weaker brother and. And you have the liberty, because of your infinite knowledge in scriptures, to be able to divorce based off of infidelity or whatever immorality you want to classify it as. Um, I'm going to play the weaker brother and say, your divorcing is grieving me and my spirit. And, and it is causing me to sin. And me watching you is enticing me to get rid of my wife because she's a handful. You know, like, now, now it's a play I'm tell her you I said shouldn't that. do. You should. She's, she's going to watch <laughs> this. Like, you just told me this morning. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, if you apply this principle, I mean, it, it would be applicable. I would say within within what we're learning about not making a brother stumble, other people divorcing causes me grievance, and and it seems that that doesn't bother the people that are so focused. And hardened in their heart to do it anyway. Yeah. So is it is it now them extending their hardness of heart towards their spouse to their hardness of heart towards their brothers, who's also grieving as they're they're not obeying God and what they're commanded to do? But let's say that they're exercising a liberty that they know that I don't. How do we how do we work that out? Yeah, uh, when it comes to divorce in the law, Jesus answered this in Matthew nineteen. Right. Mm-hmm. So we do want to look at all of Scripture and not just pick one little thing and say, this is what I think. Uh, no, Jesus clearly identified um, divorce as stemming from a sin of the heart, a mm-hmm. hardness of heart. Hardness of heart, which for the Pharisees he identified as um, a, a death sentence and, a, and condemnation to the pits of hell. Woe right. to you, to hell right. with you, scribes and Pharisees. Yeah. Um, They were the ones talking about divorce. He said, Moses granted that because of the hardness of your hearts. Um, Those who, those who, those who are going to hell divorce their wives. That's basically Mm. what, what argument Jesus is getting at. Mm. And Matthew gets that through Matthew's gospel. It's it's those who are going to hell. They're the Mm. ones who think about that. Right. Um, Which is why in first Corinthians, Paul says, if, if you're married to an unbeliever, stay with them unless they're not willing because they're damned to hell. Right, right. And, and that's where it goes um, every time. So it's consistent. Paul is consistent with Jesus, which is good because we like the Bible to be consistent. Okay. Um, so when it comes to the matter of divorce and being grieved by things that are actually sin, we are talking about we're talking about sharing our our grievances with the brother because of what offends God, not necessarily what offends us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is right. Paul got at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It is right for us to go to a brother and say, Hey, you're living in sin because you're considering divorcing your wife. That is right for us to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so that's, I don't think that's what Paul's getting at in this passage. Not that kind of thing. Right. Um, because that's actually sin. Right. right. It should grieve us. But let's say that they 
I'm just trying to be manipulative here. I know. <laughs> I, know. You, I want to use you, this. You're, you're the one who said, I'm going to play the weaker brother. <laughs> I, want to, I want to pull the next person that, that tells me that there's just no going back. Like, I'll, you know what? Forget the passages on divorce. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 8. Mm. You know? You're causing me to stumble, brother. Like, yeah. Why can't I? Why can't I just do that? Um, yeah, it's yeah. Little, all right, we can move past that. You're causing me to stumble. Oh, let's do some discipleship then. Let's let's walk through scripture together. And, yeah. Oh, that's oh, a, that's a I great angle to play. <laughs> Maybe it isn't such a bad idea. Hey, you're causing me to stumble, dude. I'm so sorry. Um, what do you think scripture says about that? That's it. That's the response. I, I had no. It. I had no idea that See? offended you. Let's let's go, let's go through scripture. Oh man, that's perfect. It. Yeah. Let's see what God has to say. I can use it. I could use it trustfully. I, I, I like this. Yeah, yeah. At the beginning, I thought I was being yeah. all like sneaky and sneaky. unrighteous. You're but trying, to, trying to play the serpent. I have a new <laughs> angle next new time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm commanded to be you know as, as, as crafty as a serpent. So. <laughs> yes, you are. And it, I think it benefits listeners to hear us play devil's advocate with each other. That's for good. sure. Yeah, for sure. I wonder if they can hear me typing on that. Probably. Not probably. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, what else do you think about this passage? Um, well, I have a question for you. Um, you made a statement mm-hmm. in your sermon, and, and hey, we actually are doing blacktop again. Yeah. Like, it's actually sermon, and then analyze and expound. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, John was perfect. I... I don't know if I heard you out of context, or if you if I if I was staring at the screen too much and I lost my train of thought. Like you, you, you mentioned John, John the Baptist, John the Baptist, because he had had the Holy Spirit from the moment of birth. Uh, I I'm I, like I don't what? I don't recall saying he was perfect, but okay. I I do recall making the statement that he probably. Didn't live in sin. I, I, I caught myself saying. So I caught myself saying. Um, I don't know if John the Baptist ever lived in sin. And then all of a sudden, uh, into my mind came this detail. Oh yeah, he's, he was filled with the Holy Spirit from in the womb. Mm. I don't know if he could have lived in sin. So I, okay. I don't know if he could have lived in sin. And I just caught myself right there during the sermon. Like, I don't know if he could have lived in sin because he's full of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean he didn't sin, <laughs> but he could. I don't think. I don't know if he could have lived in sin. Okay. Um, being full of the Holy Spirit, like, like I know since I have living been, in sin, you're talking about like perpetually, like perpetually like, okay. without repentance. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Clarity. So I, so I don't like, and I'm even thinking about my own life. Like I don't know since I have. Since I have been filled with the Holy Spirit, since the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in my life, I don't know that I've ever just really lived in sin. I have sinned. I have committed some pretty bad sins while I've right. been a Christian, while I've had the Holy Spirit. But then there's always deep conviction and repentance yep. and yep. a coming back. Like, um, I don't know that I've ever just lived in sin. Um, I, I was even going to, even after becoming a Christian, I was even going to stop church. Right, I think mm. I shared this with you. I was even just going to stop church, and the, just the spirit wouldn't let me. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, uh, and looking at the looking at the scriptures, even John, not John the Baptizer, which is who I mentioned in the sermon, but John the Elder, first, second, third John, he even writes crazy stuff like, "If if you have eternal life, you cannot sin." 
<laughs> what? <laughs> and I think he's talking about the end Shucks. result. I think he's talking about the end result of sanctification, right? Um, but still, it's like you read that and you're like, dang, Christ really is liberating us from sin, which yeah. takes us back to the passage from yesterday. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so good yeah, that's, that's what I was getting at. Yeah, good. thanks for asking asking about that. Did I did I say he was perfect? Or I would have to look at the, the video again. I, 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 I think that's what caught that, my attention. Like, <laughs> I was like, huh? huh? <laughs> like, don't make me do this on the first the week. First no. week? <laughs> if, if I did say that, that's not what I meant. You know? <laughs> No, I, I think there's clarity there. That makes that makes sense. No, I I, I think you might be perfect now. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I think we're there. <laughs> Having the fullness of sanctification worked out in his life, <laughs> he was with Christ. <laughs> he was with Christ then, though, too. No, I'm just kidding. I went no. I uh, I I liked another thing that I wanted to bring up, um, which is so important. Ah, oh, man, it, even. Even with the misperception of, of like church planting and stuff like that. So, so you, you made, and I, I think the statement was generally, or or maybe exactly, like weak uh, weakness causes division yes. in the church. I firmly believe that. Man, and and do we just see that rampant? Because like, like here here you if you, if you have like a a lot of people. Who love Jesus gathered in one place, and their faith is shallow, not working at growing, um, not reading through Scripture and being edified by it, and washing over us and, and changing our minds. Um, you, you see this like backbiting and you know people falling into sin. Like it's just it it, it causes problems, mm-hmm. and then and then people bicker and they go after each other they don't have the mind of christ so they don't even know to to kind of back off a little bit their brother in christ is not mature enough to be like hey man like right. this is why you shouldn't be doing this so there you have just a rampant like immaturity in the church and then it causes divisions it causes yeah. problems and, well, and then, then you get splits left and right, right over well, what color you paint the door you yeah. know well, and, like, then, and then immature infant christianity church has a pastor um that may be mature or not, right? Um, and he is gone, and so infant baby Christianity church uh, looks for a new lead pastor. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, and they find somebody who is a great expositor, mature in the faith, who comes in, and the church has either... Either it's one of those churches that has a deacon board, right? Uh, that kind of that kind of runs the church, or mm-hmm. it has um, some semblance of of elder elder led um, polity, and mature pastor comes in. But everybody there, even those in the offices, are immature. Mm. And this pastor comes in, and he starts preaching expositorily and starts um, addressing sin where sin needs to be. Addressed uh, and um, turn like really trying to build a mature congregation. He doesn't know the people well enough to know this is a really immature church. All he knows is what they've presented to him, right? Mm-hmm. So he comes in and does that, and the immature Christians who are running the church it cause a lot of division, 
And that's why most pastoral tenures are three years right, or less, right? right? Um, that's why most new church plants don't survive past the first past pastor of the church. Mm. Um, and it, it, not necessarily the fault of that pastor. Um, it's just the congregation didn't grow into maturity. And you don't have mature elders leading the church at that point, right? Um, so... Yeah, weakness, a weakness of conscience, that does a lot of damage if you don't have um if you don't have the type of pastor there who is just keeping everybody in line. And that and you shouldn't have that kind of pastor. Right. Um but where you have weak consciences, that's the only kind of pastoral ministry that works is a pastor who keeps everybody in line. Mm-hmm. And that's there's nothing healthy about that. Right. So Yeah. Um, thinking back with the, uh, the, the, the brothers who would struggle, uh, with, I, like I said, alcohol comes up a lot. I, I affirm too. And I think like looking through some of these ideas and applications that we're talking about, like that, that's helpful to just reflect on too. It's like, I, I do affirm and have lived in a way that. Um, I have a family member, for instance, who m- biggest part of their life struggled with um, alcoholism. Yeah, and and I, I I committed myself. I'm like, I, yes, I absolutely am free to drink, and I am absolutely out of love, not going to cause more struggle in in somebody that I care about, mm-hmm. uh, who I know that like just that. This, the, the bondage to any addiction right. or any god that you serve, so-called god, mm. you know, like like I, I, that that's a bondage. And, and if you're if you're thought you think about it, you, you smell, you know, you, you you taste or you see, like like that's just a drawing to mm. to your idol. And and like I went through years of not having, you know, unfortunately, the you know the the person would not grow. And an area that would be freed from this. Yeah. But I didn't exercise my liberty in that area. Mm-hmm. And I think those are those are what um, some of the applications that Paul, we could take from Paul and his teaching here is absolutely like if, if, if you're going to cause somebody to, to fall or struggle or stumble um, in our context today, we should, we should not... To take the exercise of liberties if, it, if it's gonna hurt somebody that we care mm-hmm. about and that's yeah. that's why love builds yeah. up you know let me show you how to be freed from from this idol in your life that yeah. you're worshiping and you, you need to turn to christ and, well that's that's right and and even with people who are um addicted mm-hmm. to any kind of any kind of substance not just alcohol but any kind of substance anybody who's addicted to um <clears throat> pornography um, or anybody who is addicted to lusts such that every woman they see they're automatically mm. measuring oh she looks good nine ten mm. four you know whatever you know um, whatever we're addicted to laziness oh, yeah. work it yeah. goes both ways whatever we're addicted to um, if we find ourselves just having to stay away from it 
we're still enslaved to that. Right. Right. It's so important. Right. So important. Yeah. If you need to stay away from it, you're still enslaved. You're still enslaved. And so our objective as brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, the stronger brothers and sisters in Christ, our objective is to see them liberated, right, from from all that, such yeah. that you can watch TV and something pops up and it, oh, you know, that doesn't bother me anymore. Right. Such that I can be around this and not have to have 15 shots. Right. Um, it's it's really important for us to really want to edify our brothers, not just modify behavior. It all goes it all goes right back to that. Um, so to experience true liberty takes takes something different than a twelve step program. A twelve step program that's behavior modification, right? You're, you're and, really upsetting a bunch of clinical psychologists right now. I'm sure. Right? <laughs> uh, they'll be really glad to hear that I really dislike Maslow's you know triangle. I don't like it. Maslow's pyramid, whatever. Yeah. Don't like it. Um, most of what Freud said, nope. Yep. I don't agree with it. <laughs> you know, um, I don't agree with a lot of social psychology, um, and I certainly don't agree with uh, people being able to get on their phones and just text message a psychologist anytime mm. they feel like they need help. That just that just perpetuates weakness. That's right. all that does. So you never see people truly edified. Um, but if we have the spirit, we're able to overcome. Our addictions, mm-hmm. right, and enjoy, enjoy our liberties in Christ to, to His exaltation, to the glory of the Father, um, and that's the whole goal. That's where God wants His people. Uh, God doesn't want weak children. Uh, why do you think He puts us through what He puts us through on this earth? He doesn't right. want weak children. He wants meek children. Two different things, right? I could see that's where so many of the the, the forms of psychology has has gone the way it has because, I mean, out of necessity. Mm. all aren't saved and right. all cannot be freed from their bondage because they're not going to to believe they're and submit themselves to Christ. So I, I could see, I mean, you, to help these people and they're not going to believe, what do you do? You, know, you, you, you hide them and you know, hide them from their issues and, and tell them to stay away from these problems over here and mm-hmm. ignore that one over there and just don't... don't yep. Own a TV in your house. Get it out of it because every time you, you know, flip that TV out. on, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Own a yeah. flip phone instead of a smartphone. Yeah, flip phone. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Oh no, I just remember sitting in youth group. Oh, youth group. <laughs> I remember sitting in youth group. Have mercy. And uh, Matthew's Gospel, Sermon on the Mount, and youth pastor was teaching about. Gouging out your eyes if you can't not if you can't not lust after a woman. It's better to cut off your hand and enter into heaven lame than to than to enter into hell with your whole body. Right? Um, Where'd the youth pastor go? He's still alive. We don't know. He's still alive. <laughs> so, so his application was, if you struggle with looking at pornography, he's talking about a bunch of teenagers. Of course, they struggle with looking at pornography <laughs> in the technical age we find ourselves in, right? Yeah. Um, struggle looking at pornography. Tell your parents about this program called Covenant Eyes. How many How many teenagers are going to tell their parents about Covenant Eyes? No, no, do that. They're definitely about not. Triple X Church. They're not going to tell their parents about that. So, so, so he continues. 
if you really struggle against this, go tell your parents about these cool programs. In fact, we're going to have a parent seminar where they can learn about these programs and apps. And, oh, you, know, you really did, huh? Yeah, okay. you really did that. Right. So, uh, you know, that could be helpful for parents. Yeah, absolutely, it could be. At least you know what your kids are looking at. Yeah. Unless they, you know, find the back doors that everybody found. Um, <laughs> um, then you said, uh, and if you, really, if you really care and you struggle with that, go home tonight, throw your computer in the trash. Oh, <laughs> You know how many parents are going to be angry about that one? <laughs> Pastor told me to. Pastor told me to. Uh, go throw your computers in the trash. Mm. And uh, it's like, where's the gospel in that? Where's the freedom in that? Where's the where's the where's the Christian liberty and the spirit conviction in that? Right. There's not there's not any of that. You're talking to a bunch of worldly teenagers, most of whom. Uh, you've drawn into church with cool music and games and food on Wednesday night. And you're telling them worldly ways to modify their behavior, which they're not interested in doing anyway. So you're accomplishing nothing here. This is not worth anybody's time. Preach the gospel. That's right. Preach the gospel. Let the Holy Spirit do do the Holy Spirit's work. Um, be honest about what sin is. And those teenagers God has called to himself they will care and they won't desire to sin right period the others will the others will you see them on Wednesday night you're not going to keep them from sinning you're not going to change their behavior Um, do work that will be beneficial stop wasting people's time amen that's church stop wasting people's time with that garbage (laughs) gosh I'm always imagining taglines whenever whenever certain things are said. So <laughs> yeah. let's try that one. Douglas Reformed Church. Not wasting your time. <laughs> that might actually work. Let's see. We'll see if that draws in the masses. Oh, wait. That's exactly what we're trying not to do. Never mind. Because then we'll be persecuted righteously. So we, we divide and plant more churches. Oh, let's not rush into that. Sure. <laughs> I, I like, too, how this... Uh, let, let's test the limits of the, of the application here. Um, I'm sure there are some. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think application rightly here would would be in sync with the the instruction to you know be in the world and out of it you know and and we're acknowledging there is one God you know and we don't have to go anywhere worrying like you know am, am obviously if I'm purposefully submitting to something but but we don't have to go anywhere worrying like well oh, how do they view something and should I be around that or associate with it. Oh, I can't I can't spend money at that hardware store because it's owned by Mormons and I don't want to give mm. any money to Mormons. Like, we don't even have to ask those questions. Like, Paul, let's just don't worry about it. That's yeah. Like, but God doesn't need that. There's one Lord. There's one Lord. <laughs> yeah. Um, I go into a strip club to, to win my brothers to Christ. <laughs> brothers not being Christian brothers, let, hopefully. Let the women go. <laughs> the women go. The women go. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Oh, there, there's a there's a really cool ministry. I forget what it's called, but it's a group of women who decided the strippers needed Jesus. So they go into the strip clubs and they ask the strip club owner, "Hey, can we minister to the girls you have working here?" And he said, "Yeah." Come on. Yeah, they went in and started having Bible studies with these ladies, like the strippers, and like doesn't give, sound give good for business. <laughs> no, it doesn't. As soon as they start converting to Christ, he didn't think that through. As soon as okay. they start converting to Christ, they're going to leave that business. But they went in and they were able to do this work, and they saw people coming to Christ. Holy and, cow! And like revival was happening in the strip club. Like 
Yeah, do it, but don't be stupid. That's like cool. if like if you're a man, don't go in there and tempt yourself. Yeah. Yep. But somebody's got to go in there. Yeah. The gospel needs to be in there. Mm. For sure. I will go and I'll go in the bar. Yeah. I'll have a beer and share the gospel. I'll go play some I'll go play some music in the bar. Absolutely I will. Kaylee. Uh, no, go on. I didn't want to no, that's all I was. Let's let's test another one. So, um you want to you want to witness to the Mormons down the street? Uh, can I can I go in and, and join them? My 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 buddy stopped by and you know we talked about Bible a little bit and and he invited me to just come check us out, man. Do I do I do I with a clean conscience? Can I can I go and ah oh, the moth went in the whiskey. You just you just need a drink. I'm drinking. No, you just you need a drink. <laughs> How much whiskey does it take to get a moth drunk? <laughs> I think his problem is dying. Oh, yeah. Just a little bit and you're dead. He didn't even have to take a drink. He just had to land in it. You drank yourself to death. <laughs> uh, did Jesus Did Jesus ever go to religious meetings where... Where the Bible wasn't being presented properly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, he was a Jew and he was going to synagogue, so it's a little different, <laughs> right? Um, but if there's no problem for these Christians to go to the cult temples and buy meat, there's probably not a problem with our presence there. There's probably right. not. A, um, if ever asked to preach at Bethel Church, I would go preach. Wow. I've, I've made that decision. I would mm. go preach at Bethel Church if I ever asked to preach there. Yeah. Right? Unrestricted. I would I yeah. would preach the gospel. I mm-hmm. would be upfront about it. Um, I I would be like Matt Chandler going to preach at Elevation Church. You remember mm. that one? I don't. Um, where that was the You're Not David sermon. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That well, that makes Church. sense. All yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so it, it would be kind of like that. Um, I, I think this gives us freedom to go into those types of places mm. not to sin but right. to go into those those places of false religion yeah. I'm not going to join the Masonic Lodge but given a chance to go speak to Masons I would you know being invited to a barbecue uh, where obviously some some Muslims are are hanging out but I'm connected mm-hmm. with a farm they have in the area and they invite me to come to a, a some celebration I have no qualms going. I'm not going okay, to Okay, let's push, push a little farther. You got Muslims yeah. and you're joining them um, at their uh, their mosque for the service and it's time to, to pray. Do you get down with the carpet that you picked up and No. Okay. So, no, I so we hit we hit a hard line. Yeah. 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 So I'm I'm not going to commit acts of worship. That would be like these people going into the temple and making the sacrifices themselves. Right. They don't receive that liberty yeah. right it's not a matter of eating it you're now like actually performing it right yeah and don't actually go and worship things that don't exist um, but but to be around it's no sin yeah. for a man to see a naked woman is no sin lust mm. is mm. right mm. Um, uh, we can apply that to almost anything in life and uh, and the church doesn't 
often recognize that. They just get all worried, like, oh, crap, I just lost my salvation. <laughs> that's the way they act. They don't say that, but that's the way they act. Oh, right? man, how sad. Um, oh, oh, do not watch that television show. There's so much cussing in it. It's mm. not a sin to hear a cuss word. Right. I question whether it's actually a sin to say a cuss word mm. that we've defined, because it's not in the Bible, right? Right. Now, I don't use that language because I'm... I, I don't want to make anybody fall on it's such a big thing, right? Right. Um, but it's like, no, we're not we're not to be in the business of calling sin what isn't sin, yeah. and uh, we are to speak about matters of the of the heart and not mere behavior modification, right? So. And that, that that could play out a couple of different ways too. Like you know, you, you drop a a hammer on your foot, you're gonna yeah drop the uh, yeah that's oh, word or whatever. Freaking <laughs> <laughs> Freaking Jesus lovers! Ah. It's like, oh, now you just like blaspheme. No, it, I mean, you, you, I think I think one of the easy things for for cussing, like like yeah, we do look at like oh, there's there's a there's a list of words you're not allowed to say. But the easy way to look at it is like, are, are you building people up? And it's, if someone's just sitting around and yeah. you know, f this, screw that, mother da da da, just dropping them all, it's like, well, it's a lot of your a language lot of isn't really a whole thing there. Where you're like cutting people down, like. Yeah, you're, you're cutting people down, and that is a sin, right? Yeah, uh, cutting sure people is. down is a sin. Yep. And I, I even believe, and this is one of the reasons I just really don't care for small talk. I think I've mentioned that to you before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really just, really just don't care for small talk. Because what meaning does it have? Right. What are we talking about? When I speak, I want to speak with meaning, as if, as if I'm speaking to the Lord, and for the Lord. Let's not waste a lot Lord. of time talking about the rain. Right. You know. How, how nice of the weather was today. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's not wrong to enjoy the weather, no. right? God gave us that. Um, but man, to speak even with meaning. So when it when it comes to controlling the tongue, mm-hmm. I don't think it's talking about four-letter words. It's talking about cutting other people down and speaking with meaning. When in the Ten Commandments we read, don't use the name of the Lord your God in vain. I don't think it's talking about a cuss word, though I think it right. can apply there. Yeah. It's talking about speaking God's name without meaning without purpose without reverence yeah, yeah. yep um, absolutely so, and that's something you're not really taught either right but that's what the Bible's talking about yeah and that's where you can get into legalism too much it's like well no I don't say it. OMG you know but <laughs> look I, at all the other ways that you are not like I, honoring God's name <laughs> I replace it with gosh gosh <laughs> I, I know so many people who uh, they they fancy themselves Christians, right? And they they learn I'm a preacher somehow. <laughs> I don't just go around saying yeah, I'm a preacher. I saw your name tag. I saw your name tag. Elder, Elder Andrew. Andrew. <laughs> Elder Andrew Paul. Oh my! Oh my! We're gonna have problems if that ever happens. Oh man! <laughs> then again, that so, would be kind of funny. You should knock one of those out. Go ask it. LDS church, or, if you can get a, a name tag. Tie and a navy coat and a backpack. <laughs> Ride my bicycle. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, people who face themselves Christian, they hear that I'm a preacher. And then all of a sudden, like, uh, they, they start changing the way they, they do certain things. And then a cuss word slips out. And they go, oh, sorry. <laughs> like, like yep. dude. Yeah, and then it's and then it's like they make it a point, an obvious point to avoid those words. Like where they would yep. use those words, they obviously replace them with other words. I'm like, dude, you're just making yourself look ignorant and stupid. Like, <laughs> stop wearing a mask around me, first of all, yeah. and second of all, 
be sincere about knowing Christ and honoring him. This behavior modification stuff, it doesn't help anybody. Yeah. So I'm not interested in that. Some preachers are. I'm not. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. good. I can't think of anything else. That's me, though. Mm. Yeah, I love how Paul just comes out and says it. But food will not commend us to God. We are neither the worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. Stop making this a big deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's uh, that's probably a good place to start. We probably covered we covered the passage again and in conversation and brought some clarity to John the Baptizer not being perfect so I think we're good so he wasn't perfect <laughs> <laughs> and you don't need any rebuke <laughs> somebody who attends a First Baptist Church somewhere is going to watch this and be like oh. he's making fun of First Baptist Churches <laughs> not my intention but if the, if the shoe fits no dude you see, you see the title of our church we're not going to get any First Baptist watchers <laughs> Uh, that's probably true. Huh. Yeah, we, we, we put we put the word in the name of the church. Reformed, reformed, no, formed again. Those guys formed again. This technically is the second time this church has been planted, so that's great. Yeah, it is reformed, reformed, <laughs> literally, literally, literally and theologically. This is great, perfectly fitting. <laughs> I love it. Soli Deo Gloria. Why am I speaking in tongues? (laughs) (laughs) Some of the names in the Bible, people say them, and I think they're speaking in tongues. (laughs) They're like, I want to name my kid that. Please don't. All right. (laughs) This has been Blacktop Pulpit by Douglas Reform Church. Please visit douglasreform.church to see... All the information about Douglas Reformed Church, and uh, soon there will be a giving option there. We're asking for donations so we can continue the work uh, God placed us here for. Uh, we hope to see you this coming Sunday. Anything else, bro? All right, we'll catch y'all next time.